Welcome to Dial It Up. I'm Mike Nada. And I'm Randy Redekoff. The series of podcasts contains a, a number of conversations we've had with educators about the role of digital technology in the classroom. So welcome to this episode of Dial IT Up. And uh, today's guest is Joel Templeman. And uh, we're going to be talking to him about initiatives uh, that come not directly out of the education sector, but uh, are tied more into uh, industry and uh, and learning there. So, Joel, why don't you, uh, you know, tell us what you want about your background and what you're currently up to. Sure. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I My background uh, is kind of a windy road, but I started off in education in the 90s uh, as a uh, teaching assistant, special needs teaching assistant, and uh, did my Bachelor of Education on the weekends in what used to be weekend college at the University of Manitoba, and graduated in 2001, and uh, taught in uh, Winnipeg for uh, a few years until about 2004, when I was... Um, had the opportunity to take on full-time employment with the uh, with the military, with the reserve, and uh, ended up working in IT and training for the military until about 2017 when I retired. And then I wanted to uh, come back and focus a little bit more locally on uh, on Manitoba, on uh, on education things that were more community-driven and more local. Um, it was fun to work at the national level, uh, but I wanted to have a little bit more direct impact. So that brought me back to some nonprofits in Winnipeg. And one of the ones that I'm working with now and, and have been for over a year now uh, is Tech Manitoba. Um, and the project I was brought in to do was um, digital um, literacy, which was uh, there's a project funded by the federal government. Um, and it had kind of two parts to it. Uh, there was a community aspect of it, which was Really, introduction uh, introduction of uh, computers, um, you know, intro to word courses, things like that, based in communities all around Manitoba, um, at community centers and things like that for uh, older folks or um, single parents or uh, indigenous communities, things like that, uh, places where there might be a lack of access to devices or a lack of knowledge, um, with the goal of having people have more digital literacy and more access to the digital economy so that they could uh, they could uh, get information and, and participate in things and government services, stuff like that. Um, so that is coordinated by someone else, uh, my, my partner Paula, uh, who is uh, at Tech Manitoba doing that. And uh, my focus was for uh, teacher education, professional development for teachers, with the idea that with more um, technology in the classroom, uh, changing the way that students are learning, more student-led learning, more project-based learning, um, that we're going to focus on um, 21st century skills, skills that employers are looking for, skills that the tech industry is looking for um, to help students to um, be more tech-savvy um, and be fully engaged in the digital economy right from the get-go so that we don't have the, the, the gap that we do. So that started the... Uh, the ball rolling, and that's how I ended up getting uh, uh, back into kind of the education world and working with schools 
um, school divisions putting on training. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were focused on uh, computational thinking and coding and microbits and robots and drones and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, and it was going very well, and there's great response from teachers around the province to incorporate more, and, and um, with support, um, we were able to put on a number of, of workshops. Um, then COVID came along and uh, was good and bad all in one. Um, obviously, everybody, uh, the focus shifted and everybody needed to learn about uh, online connectivity and moving their classes. So there was an enormous uh, uptake and everybody wanted it immediately. So we put, we put on several cl uh, courses a week in Teams and uh, Google Classroom and, and put hundreds of teachers through, uh, through the training in the spring. And, um, and focused on that. And then since then, um, we've been just working kind of individually with different schools to uh, help support them where they need um, and wherever they can. Obviously, they're kind of busy focusing on just doing the day-to-day -day right now. So trying to help out as much as we can um, with what they need. Yep. Such an important task, especially with, as you said, when with COVID, that need really took off. And uh, I know school divisions are tech coordinators are being swamped, so it's nice that Tech Manitoba has been able to try to fill in some of that that gap. Um, yeah, and I think the, the, the approach that we took, knowing the way that the kind of school culture is and the way that divisions um, have a lot of this going on, we didn't want to just kind of kick in the door and say, here you go, here's a, here's a pre-can solution. Um, you know, we're here to solve your problems kind of thing. There's, there's lots of great working, work going on. Um, it was more about kind of how can we take the resources that we have and, and help you accomplish stuff that you may already have going on. How can we make it more impactful? How can we get more people there? Is it, is it contributing to some substitute costs? Is it getting a venue? Is it getting industry professionals in to, to talk? Um, those types, like what, what is it we do? So, you know, we worked with uh, Madel and Manes, and we, you know, we put in a few different sessions at the MTSPD day, uh, and we, we worked with um, the Byte Conference and Riding the Wave, except we didn't actually make it to Riding the Wave the last time. So, um, you know, just my concern was, let's look at what's already going on, and let's find out where we can bring in additional support. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's let's, you know, connect the right people together and and just increase what's what's positive already. Is there, um, I mean, you mentioned Google uh, Classroom and Teams. Has there been sort of an even split uh, as to what people are working with, or is there a predominance? It, it's, if I had to say, probably Teams has been um, more requested. Now, I don't know that that's more used, um, it may be less user-friendly to adapt and understand. Um, it's part of the Microsoft uh, Enterprise Suite, which all of the schools have access to, so everybody has access to it. And not every division has gone and allowed the uh, addition of uh, the Google Suite or any of those things. So it, it probably is more prevalent and more popular, um, but at the same time, too, it it does need a little bit more um, hands-on kind of instruction because it's not obviously intuitive and it 
it integrates with so much more that it it's it's sometimes tough to decide even how you're going to use it right so some of the some of it isn't necessarily just explaining the tool but and this is one of the values I think that we can bring is is helping um, teachers or schools uh, figure out how they're going to use tools right asking those questions <clears throat> you know facilitating a discussion about information management you know the the tool can be used so many different ways but you don't want every different classroom doing it differently and you know the the kids are experiencing 10 different ways of, if they're going to 10 different teachers and the parents have two kids in that school so they're they've got 20 different versions so they're they're pulling their hair out right so just trying to get everybody not just able to use the tools as they function but you know building those strategies and the actual um, intelligent use of the tool and and knowing the other things that are out there, so many different things can integrate with it, but you, you just don't have the time in the day to know that. So bringing those things to somebody, I think is helpful for them to decide, do we want to use this? Do we not want to use it? Yeah, we've heard from other uh, others that uh, divisions are trying to not lock down what you can use, but certainly say, hey, we can't have parents, you know, having to deal with Zoom and Google Classroom and Teams and Seesaw and jumping back and forth. Uh, let's let's keep it simple for them. Yeah, and it's 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 two different worlds. And I, my time in the military was an, as an IT director, and we ran a national network. It was a government network. It had a protected level. So I I've got that kind of locked down security model beaten into my head. You know, like, um, you know, it's not. It's not secure until nobody can use it kind of thing. Um, but then the other side, so I understand like uh, systems and management and trying to keep the systems up and stuff from one side of my brain. And the other side, the teacher side of my brain, though, fully understands needing to be able to be adaptive and, you know, using the best tools that may not be, you know, there's so many different things, right? So um, there's always going to be that fight. I don't think there'll ever be an equilibrium where there's satisfaction between the, the training side, the learning side, and the IT side. Um, so they're, even that facilitating that discussion between IT professionals and, and educational professionals is, is something too, because they, they have two different perspectives and they have you know, two different ways of looking at things. So finding that common ground doesn't always look the same in every school or every division. Oh, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> I know going back to my life in the public schools, how there is that, that tension takes place. And I know where my... <laughs> my desires were and my uh, my thoughts but and it wasn't being locked down but I certainly see the value that you have to have some of that control and management as well yeah and it it, it just gets got more complicated and if you have you know if you have a lot of tools if you're in a location where you have great bandwidth and you've got connectivity and you've got some you know it depends some divisions have you know a staff an IT staff of several people maybe and some have none or they contracted out or they have one person who's running around you know all of those factors have to go into it so um, any kind of top-down um, you know urban Winnipeg centric kind of solution doesn't necessarily translate as you go around the province too right so um, that's something that's very interesting and that's something that we dealt with too because you know we put on a seminar we we wanted to put it out to as many people as possible um, but you had differences across divisions you know even in teams I couldn't we, we did it we chose to do it by division because um, you get a group of teachers together and one division allows chat and one has blocked chat both for 
perfectly good reasons, maybe technical, maybe um, some kind of a policy or whatever, all good, but you don't want to spend a day talking about how you use the features of chat with a bunch of teachers who don't have access to it, right? It's, that's just frustrating. So all of that complexity um, and those things were, were things that we take into consideration. And we basically get try to um, sculpt a, a session kind of based on those those factors. So, and, it, and being respectful of just the times and what's going on. And again, back to this, it was never the plan. Um, on the, on, okay. on, you know, like uh, we've, we've said, the people who've been kind of um, working on this, promoting, um, promoting, um, you know, educational technology for a number of years have, have felt maybe that they're screaming into the wind for a long time. And then all of a sudden, uh, COVID has, has definitely got everybody to kind of turn around and look at us and say, okay, I'm ready now, please give it all to me. So it's positive, but at the same time, it's, it's so much. And there's so many things that do need to be accomplished. Connectivity being a a huge one of them. Uh, access to devices uh, is another one. You know, like when I started, and, and it's still true in some places, there was, you know, the one PC in the corner of the classroom that was for the teacher to do marking, and that was it. Um, you know, uh, I I know my first year, I was doing five, grade five, six, and I, I got a grant for uh, two of those uh, iMac, the purple bubble uh, iMacs, right, and a video camera, and the kids were doing some really awesome, innovative, um, uh, video uh, editing and all that kind of stuff. Well, that was 2000 and 2001, right? So that was pretty pretty cutting edge at the time, right? But uh, unfortunately, that it hasn't uh, changed a, a huge amount in some places, right? So those limitations, you can't just flip the switch. And COVID's been great. There, you know, divisions and um, companies have been, you know, rising to the to the uh, cause and providing devices, providing connectivity and cell sell cards and stuff like that but at the same time without being able to use it or know how to configure it and all those things there there are many different layers of the of the whole picture so we did we took manitoba the this this program kind of came in at that um digital literacy level talking about just getting people more knowledge but we were definitely quickly impacted by those physical aspects of it right um, I know we, we, we ran a great session uh, on computational thinking and coding. We're doing micro bits. We're doing stuff like that. And a number of the teachers were from up north and, and really had great time throughout the, it was actually three days. We brought them down because they had to travel so far. We brought them down for three full days. And the first day, because of this, we purposely did it as kind of an offline training. So it was all of the features of Word and Excel and things like that that you don't need connectivity for. So that was really good and very useful for them. And then online, which became a little more complex. So, you know, being able to do things in, in cloud software. Um, and then the last day we kind of went over the top with, uh, with micro bits and, and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I had a couple of them come, a couple of the teachers came to me and said, this is amazing, this was awesome. I can't use any of it, right? That I just don't have the facilities. I don't have the support, those kinds of things. So. Those kind of frustrations were uh, driving us to look at, um, not as part of the program, but just as what we were doing, to where else can we help out. Um, on the community side, those, those classes that we were doing for the uh, older, uh, older population or in places that had bad connectivity, when COVID hit, the places were shut down. And they just did not have the facilities or the interest or the training to, to pivot to... Um, 
doing it online or something like that. They, or you, you know, so we, we had to be creative. We had to think of what could we possibly do. So we partnered with um, Computers for Schools Manitoba, which has become a, an excellent um, partnership. And through us, they um, take refurbished computers and we are able to distribute them to people in Manitoba who have been identified as needing hardware. But at the same time, knowing full well that some of those devices are gonna go to people who don't even know how to really turn them on and get them working. So we created a, a workbook that got them through the how to assemble phase so they could take what they were given from, from computers from, from schools as we delivered it and plug all the right bits into the right places. But then the, we created a, a series of videos, a series of 10 videos, but you can't just take videos and throw them on YouTube because if you don't know how to get to YouTube, you can't get the videos to tell you how to go to YouTube, right? So um, those videos were intended to go on the actual hard drive of those computers. So we had a custom image made by Computers for Schools and uh, those hard drives, or the, the CPUs came with the information right on the desktop. So the last thing in the booklet is, okay, turn it on and click on this first thing and then the videos go through a series of different uh, things. So really having to think differently. Um, we were actually, we just uh, accomplished this too. We, we've gotten those 10 videos onto uh, network access TV for Shaw and Mipwa. Um, so there, we knew that there was a group of people out there who didn't necessarily know how to work a computer, but they know how to work a TV. So uh, if three in the morning you wanna learn some stuff about basic computers, you can uh, tune into access TV and. And, and get some content there, right? So just really having to relook at how how we were, some assumptions we were making and, and um, you know, try to work around those things. Yeah, I mean, the things that we've run into that we just hadn't thought about before, one of our Manace board members, um, you know, is in a rural community and started posting things like, teachers, be aware of how much bandwidth you're using or how much data you're using because some of your kids are using their phones and their plans are going to run out, you know, the first day of the month. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it, be overcharged, you know, it, it, you know, and who would have thought, right? And, and this is something that um, th those details are, we're finding more and more, maybe not even known about, right? If you're inside the city, if this isn't a concern for you, um, where a lot of it is, uh, you're not running off of cellular, cellular when you're in an urban center normally. When you're moving around, you are. But most of the time, you come back to your house and it's fixed and there isn't any kind of overage. And you still have the battles where you're, you know, the mother and the father are both on a call at the same time working and the kids in the other room trying to, you know, there's, there's only so much capacity inside the local network. Um, so there's, you move from one problem to the next problem once you've solved one, right? But... Um, but it, the, you may not even understand that that kind of connectivity, if you can even get it in a rural thing, is most likely going to be cellular or satellite, which are going to have data caps. And either you're going to be too slow to be usable uh, and or you're going to run up a cost that is beyond what you can. And that's a lot of these things are, um, I, think the, I think the focuses or the calculations are based on kind of one kid and it's not really thinking about that that same data plan is being used by the parent and the other children or whoever, right? So it very quickly, um, it, even in the worst, even in the best case, it might work for one particular individual, but 
the reality is that's very rarely the case where only one person's using it. So the connectivity issues um, definitely, definitely something that's uh, it's in it's in, in discussion a lot now. A lot of focus has finally been gone to, and the government has made a lot of announcements and a lot of money has been earmarked for it. And it's work that's been going on for quite a while now. Um, everyone's finally realizing the importance of it, but um, that's not going to happen tomorrow. Right? And Elon Musk's uh, you know, grid, satellite grid, is going to cover everybody, but they won't be able to afford it. So, well, there's there's a few things. Um, there are communities who were on the on the road to working on a solution of some kind. They were working with a company to bring fiber into the community, or they you know something like that. And, and there are places where I've heard of projects that have been killed recently because people have said, no, no, don't worry. The satellite thing is going to save the day. Let's forget it. Let's not waste money on this. But not a lot is really known. And I'm not, I don't have a for or against uh, for it. But it is more complex than people are, are looking at. Um, because even if the uh, low Earth orbit satellite systems are better and can handle the capacity, and there's enough for these uh, things. Best case, best case. If these things do function the way that they're hoped to function, um, you have issues of data sovereignty. You have issues of net neutrality, right? This is immediately leaving our airspace and connecting to a uh, device that is not Canadian. It's not uh, publicly owned. It's, uh, you know, so there's a lot of questions. And again, not saying that anything of that is necessarily bad, but it, uh, you, you trade one problem for another problem, right? So we'll have connectivity, but of what kind? And then there's little nuances that I don't think everyone understands. Telsat, um, the Canadian-backed kind of company, um, doesn't, at least right now from what I can see, doesn't have a um, service to the home package they, um, where um, the Elon Musk's version does. You, you as an individual will buy some kind of an antenna and slap it on your roof and your life will be wonderful which may be true, um, but then you have those issues of you are now connected to another company and it's not Canadian and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's some questions there. But um, the other options too are selling to uh, internet service providers who will then retransmit that uh, through like WISPs on the ground, right? So wireless internet service providers. But if you're in a place where there isn't already an existing local WISP giving you internet connection from somewhere, well, that company won't just magically appear, right? So these, it's once you get into the details that you see that these solutions, you know, everyone's moving towards the same thing. We all have kind of that same goal, but what is the reality of one technology over another? And I I'm personally am, am a, an everything, um, you know, supporter. Every, they all have pieces in this, um, you know, fiber optics all the way to uh, satellite communication. They're all part of this network. Um, and they all have a role, but it's informed um, informed decision-making, I think, is a big one. And a number of people I've been working with in the last little while have been having this conversation so much that we're actually working right now on creating a uh, Manitoba chapter of the Internet Society, um, which we hope to be kind of launching in January 2021. It's in, the application process is in now. There is an Internet Society Canada, and there is an Internet Society internationally. There are many, many chapters around the world. Um, but there's so much specific to Manitoba that we really think that we need to have um, a group here that can, that can focus on Manitoba solutions. And the other 
good part about it is it's nonprofit and it's community based. It's community driven, right? So it's focused on the fact that there isn't necessarily any one solution, and that all of those solutions can work together, right? It's um, it's its idea is to connect people. Um, the idea is not only is are, are people's lives better when they connect to the internet, but the internet is better when people connect to it, right? So the the population of the people who have a voice on the internet would be improved with um, these people who currently don't have connection adding themselves to it. So that is a it's a very open uh, and kind of free community driven model um, that that we hope to promote a lot of projects. And there are good projects going on in, in Manitoba. A lot of them aren't seen very well, and a lot of them aren't coordinated. You know, some things are going on right beside something else, and they're not necessarily aware of each other. Um, and that's happened on a number of projects that I've been on. So it's a matter of just getting um, people who are involved in this, um, even more so discussing this and coordinating plans, and making sure that the the right information goes to the decision makers. So the people in the rural municipalities uh, who are decision makers, the people in the school divisions who are decision makers, the people in government at the provincial level, at the federal level, um, have an idea. I've been on so many um, panels and, and conference calls now where I've seen people in positions of decision making who will say, you know, their entire statement will say something about low earth orbits and they'll say, they'll even say kind of on the side, and I don't really know much about it, which makes you know, it <laughs> makes me sad and mad all at the same time because that is so important. Yes, it's super complex. And yes, you're going to have competing people telling you this, that, and the other thing. But we need to be able to break that down into something that people do understand the pros and the cons and that they can make informed decisions. And they can also make steps towards them, right? That maybe you're not, you know, if you're a rural municipality in Manitoba somewhere, you're not necessarily going to have the capacity to become an internet provider and start putting up towers and digging fiber and all that kind of stuff. But there are things that you can do to facilitate that. And if nothing else, the first step is to be informed and, and have those discussions and things like that. So um, there are places, you know, floating around out in the internet that, that provide these kind of toolkits for governments to look at and learn that's something that we want to do. We want to get that information out for free uh, as well, right? We want to be able to provide that out. Um, there are lots of high, you know, paid consultants that that would give that to you, but but that information is out there. It's a matter of just being informed and, and knowing what will work in your situation. And, and, and even maybe just as a temporary, because these things are going to take a really long time to be in place um, and to get this activity going, then there might be small things, temporary things that can be done um, that that only will affect a, a small place, but it will it will vastly improve that that community, right? So, Joel, um, when you mentioned the Internet Society, how could someone who's interested find out about it or maybe get involved somehow, even if it's um, you know just a, a small amount? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the once we are um, approved as a chapter, then uh, which again we hope to be in January sometime, we'll be putting that information out. Uh, we can provide it to your listeners as well. Um, it's free to join the Internet Society International, uh, which you become a member of first, and then you associate with a chapter, and then you figure out what the chapter is working on and um, participate as much or as little as, as you want to. Um, that 
in in this new year coming there will be lots of opportunity because we are starting from scratch so we, there's lots of things going on um, in that coordination and and even just that community building um, one of the one of the things that the internet society says one of the, th the logos I kind of saw was the building the communities that build the internet right the it it's it's about the people with and you and you have to have a group of people with all the skill sets right this is from business and uh, because you know it doesn't come free to build these systems and maintain these systems right so there's there's business there's education there's knowledge right there's there's all of these types of things that come together and and the economic development of uh, rural Canada and the um, and the education and the learning, uh, especially the type of learning that we'll need, 21st century. Uh, these things are, you know, um, there's there's lots of research that is uh, out there, and, and and more is coming, showing that this is this is not necessarily going to go away. You know, uh, even in a post-COVID environment, um, and it, I don't think it should go away necessarily. The people who have been saying this in EdTech for a long time have a perfectly good, good point. There, there are things that computers do really well, and uh, let the computers do those things. And there are things that you will never replace a human with. Um, you will never replace a teacher with a certain uh, skill set. So let the computers do the administrative stuff that nobody wants to do anyway and let the let the teachers focus on relationship building and encouragement and mentoring and all that kind of stuff right so um that's that's an absolutely great way to look at it um because it takes away the fear of kind of having yourself automated out um but at the same time there's no way that anyone you know when i was a student all of the knowledge of the world was in my living room in a in a set of encyclopedia with a leather bound and if it wasn't in there it was either a lie or it didn't exist right that's you know that's just not a thing anymore. So um, there's no way that um, we can know all of this information. So the the role has changed, um, and technology is a is a huge part of that. Um, I I think even and and I think the COVID situation that we're going on, it's at least broken a, a lot of uh, commonly held beliefs before this in business and in education. Was you know you talk to people in business saying. I couldn't possibly have my workforce working from home. You know, there's no way I could manage them. They would never do any work. We would get nothing done. It would never happen. That, that was, you could ask businesses and they would say that. They spent a lot of money on a great big office with a whole bunch of desks. And I bet you would get a very, very different answer right now. And a lot of them are probably not going to send their entire workforce back uh, to uh, an expensive office building. And I think that's going to be true in education. You are going to find things that did work um, for sure things that didn't work, but things that did work in this environment that we should hang on to and foster as long as it's done uh, equally, right? There's equity across it that we are still finding ways to um, not disadvantage or further disadvantage groups just because they don't have access to certain things, um, connectivity or um, uh, finances, right? Yeah. Wow, that's uh, a lot of great uh, ideas and tons to think about. Um, you know, one of the things we like to do to uh, to wrap up these sessions, and I think I warned you about this, is you know we like to leave our listeners with uh, some thought to chew on or a question to ponder after uh, they've finished listening. 
and wondering what you might have for us in those along those lines. Sure, I did know it was coming, so I did think about it a little bit. It's not a question so much, but it's it's a challenge. And and you probably have heard this challenge before when people say, you know, we're using too much technology. Uh, try to try to take 24 hours and turn your phones off, turn your computers off, turn everything off. Go go live in a cave, go for a walk, something like that. Similar to that, but but not quite. This this is a little bit different of a challenge. You can keep all your computers and you can keep your phones and you can keep everything else and you can use them all as much as you want, but go over to your modem or go over to whatever, whatever thing is connecting you beyond your house to the rest of the world and unplug just that, right? So you can still print to your local printer because your wireless in your house is going to work. You know, you can still use your app on your phone or whatever things that work on your phone, local games, things like that. You can use those all day long. And you can continue to work. Like, don't call your boss and take the day off or anything. You got to still work. But when you do need to send an email, or you do need to receive an email. Get on your bike or get in your car and drive over to the Tim Hortons, and because you can't go inside right now, you need to sit in the parking lot in your car and waste your gas and and get whatever connectivity, and then you can drive home and do more like that. And I'm not making that up. That is how a lot of places are operating right now. But to experience that, that is my challenge. Disconnect yourself. In, in, the, in your local environment, uh, to turn, just turn the cellular off on your, on your cell phone. You can keep the Wi-Fi on, and then you can go and get it when you need it and, and try, to, try to see what that looks like for a 24-hour period, um, just to build some appreciation for what, um, you know, and then, and then hopefully that drives people thinking that when they're, when they're coming up with solutions or they're driving their business or they're driving their classroom, uh, they think of that and say, hey, maybe not everybody has got, you know, the, the top here, and maybe I should be programming for a little bit different, right? Take that consideration. So that's wow. my challenge. That's a tough one for those of us who are used to that. But, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, kids having to drive outside of school to connect and stuff. So good challenge. I'll see yeah, if I can it's, it's it, because it, it adds, like I said, you solve one problem and you and you do another. Not not at all to say anything about the solutions that are out there. But, you know, a lot of schools are putting up hotspots and and uh, driving. Those are all amazing ideas. Those are great short term solutions to uh, to a crisis. Absolutely great. But you so now you have connectivity, but you only have one vehicle and it needs to go to the store. And I also have a, an assignment due in an hour, right? So. It really, if if someone will actually take up the challenge, it'll it'll start to uncover a lot of things that, for for perfectly good reasons, most of us just don't think about on the day to day. Yeah. Well, thank you for that challenge. It's a good one, and uh, thanks for your time, Joel. Very interesting stuff, and very important things for us to all think about is equity, be it how to use a computer, having access to one, or access to the internet. All very important things for us to to ponder. Yeah. Absolutely. I very much appreciate uh, the interest and, and being here. Um, I, think, uh, I think you guys are uh, doing a great job getting more uh, awareness out there and, and having these conversations. A lot of it is just uh, having these conversations and, and hearing from different points of view. And uh, Right. Do you want to leave us with um, a couple of websites, uh, Computers for Schools? You know, people who have a bunch of computers sitting around in their house that, you know, they've just upgraded to something else. Yeah, absolutely. I can uh, I can give you the links to that uh, for educators. The Tech Manitoba uh, website uh, with contacts um, for 
professional development either now or if things are too crazy right now then you know in the future um yeah definitely and uh, the internet society uh if, if this is uh, airing in january then hopefully we'll have a join here button ready to go and uh, i'll i'll have all that for you great yeah i'll post those in the uh, description of the uh, interview perfect yeah thanks very much joel okay take care that's it for now. Thanks for listening. And thanks to the Manitoba Association for Computing Educators, Manace, for sponsoring these podcasts. And thanks, too, to Tofu Stravinsky for the soundtrack. See you next time. <laughs>